You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. To find more resources and learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. And so if you have your Bibles with you, let's follow along. Uh, We're reading just John chapter 1, the first three verses. John 1, 1 through 3. Let's bring our attention to God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is God's word. Well, in the words of Maria, from my favorite movie, Sound of Music, um, you heard that right, Uh, Sound of Music, uh, she says, when you begin to read, you begin with ABC, and when you begin to sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi, and I'm going to add to that. When you begin with Jesus, you start with John 1 through 3. Yes. Okay. All right. We've been working through the gospel of John for what, 15 weeks now? And we have yet to see John chapter 1. We were waiting for this to go through it uh, in the time of Advent. Uh, Because this is the season where we reflect deeply on the birth of Christ, the incarnation of Christ. But even more than that, we reflect on... uh, the deep, the deep plan of God, the great plan of God to save his people, to mend a broken world. You see, Advent is all about God's recreation plan. We know God's creation plan. He created all things. And the Bible says in the first verses of scripture, all the way into, back to Genesis, starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those are the opening words of the Bible. The earth and all that was made was good. God created it and it was good. It was pleasing. It was perfectly fitting uh, for all of creation as it ought to be. God made humankind to delight in him, to enjoy him. But the first humans had another plan. They sought autonomy and independence from God. They chose autonomy instead of trusting in God. And all of creation fell into chaos through their sin. Death and disease, loneliness, all kinds of sorrow and grief, all of that the result of sin's devastating power. And so God's original creation plan was was corrupted completely and thoroughly, but God promised that he would not leave it in that state, that he would initiate a recreation plan to make all things new. And John tells us that story. And as John begins to tell this story, he echoes the very first words of the Bible when he says, in the beginning. And then he is about to go into telling a story of how God is about to recreate all of creation through his son, Jesus Christ. And starting this way, he's communicating something incredibly stunning, something incredibly bold that the story of Jesus is unlike any story of any person who has ever lived. Now, here's what we're going to see this morning from just these first few verses of John. We will see that Jesus as the center, Jesus as the creator, and Jesus as the savior. Let's look at Jesus as the center. It comes to mind pretty quickly as we see that this is about Jesus, the story of how Jesus came into history 
as we know it, doesn't start at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. For most in the first century, the beginning of Jesus was when they first saw him on the scene and they saw him doing works and miracles. We just spent several weeks looking at all the signs of Jesus in the gospel. It doesn't even begin all the way back at creation or at, at the virgin birth. It doesn't begin at Christmas. The story of Jesus doesn't even begin at creation. It begins before anything was created. It's hard to fathom anything that was before there even was a was to be. It's hard to think like that. You know, Advent is a time we, we think about the incarnation of Christ. Incarnation literally means in the flesh, I like to think of it as uh, in carne asada, in car, like in the meat, right? <clears throat> now you'll never forget what it means. This is what it means. It means God putting on human flesh. Before Jesus took on human form, he existed before creation. The Bible is clear and even secular physics agrees, which aims to explain how all things in the universe kind of work together. The Bible is clear that the beginning of all things is absolute. There was a time when there wasn't. There was a starting point of all of creation, all of the universe. Everything with substance and matter and space, everything had a definite beginning time. And before that, before the origin of everything, Jesus was. He, was, he has no beginning. He has no end. He's eternal. He is everlasting. And John begins to, to echo the beginning story of Genesis, of the whole Bible, with these words, in the beginning. John is reflecting the story of creation with Jesus, the word, at the center of it all. And it's an amazing thing. This is an amazing story to tell. It's an amazing story to try to comprehend and understand. This is an interesting way to describe Jesus, isn't it? The word, the word that was. The word that was before there was a was to be. The word was there. We know this is talking about Jesus, not from these first three verses, but uh, just a few verses later, John is going to get into this. He's saying, this is, I'm talking about Jesus. And so that's explicit and that is known. But at this point, he's just referred to as the word, the word of God. Jesus is the name given to him at his birth, right? By the angel was told to, to Joseph and Mary, like we want you to call him Jesus. And he was given that name uh, at his birth. In, in the Greek culture, the word, the concept of the word is the, or, uh, the organization of all principles of all of life. The word for Greeks gives structure to all thing. It gives meaning and order. It gives direction and purpose to all things. The word is life. For the Hebrew culture, the word of God was synonymous with God himself, his nature, his character, his will and purpose. The word was intimately connected with the activity of God, the will of God, and get this most frequently, the word of God was tied most closely to the revelation of God. To know the word of God was to know God himself. The word of God is the very revelation of God's identity, his character, his nature. And John's audience consists of both Greek and 
and Hebrew. And together, their understanding of what he's trying to communicate is that who he's talking about, this character he's talking about is the source, the purpose, the very nature of all that is. He is God. And if we want to know God, we need to get to know the word of God. So he presents Jesus not only as, as, as the center of how we come to know all existence, he presents Jesus as the center of how we come to know God himself. It's amazing when even later when Jesus' disciples became confused and like, when are we gonna see God? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen God. But, and then they keep saying, but, but when? <laughs> they don't get it, they're confused, they can't comprehend this. A few verses later, John tells us in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. God who is spirit. No one has ever seen God, only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but God has now revealed himself through Jesus. To know Jesus is to know God because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word, John tells us, is a person not an intangible idea, but a person. The word is, is Jesus. And in an attempt to explain to us what's going on in the beginning, he communicates to us the complexity of the personhood of God. God reveals himself as one and plural. God the, God the Father is God. God the Son reveals himself as God. In John 5, we learn that the Holy Spirit is revealed as God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and neither are the Holy Spirit. And there's only one. You with me? Okay, this is the point in the sermon. Here, let's take a little hiatus for a second. Where your ability to comprehend this scenario will hijack your ability to hear God telling you who he is. You're trying to comprehend, you're trying to understand, you're trying to fit this into some concept that you can understand, comparing it to things that you can feel, touch, and know in your environment. And you're trying to put it into the confines of what you understand, and it is going to hijack your ability to just listen and hear from God as he's trying to tell you who he is and what he is like. It doesn't fit into any concept that we know. It doesn't fit in any created order that we can understand. Here's what God wants you to know, that all the majesty of God, all the character, all the purposes, all the will and pleasure and affection of God, all that God would want you to know about himself is wrapped up in the personhood and ministry of Jesus. He is at the center of it all. The more we understand Jesus, the more we understand God because he is God. Jesus is at the center of it all. And it gets better. He is not just at the center. He is revealed as the creator. The creator of all things. Jesus is creator. You know, I've been told that in my family, that my my family members have a a voice that travels. Okay, that's a nice way of saying it, right? When my family uh, speaks or laughs or coughs or sneezes, um, you can directly identify them for blocks away. At least I can. I, I know when a family member is speaking, they, their, their voice rises above other voices. And, 
as well as our voice travels, to my knowledge, we've never been able to use our word to create anything. No matter what your voice is like or how powerful it is like or how much it travels or booms or, or anything like that, our, our word has no power to create. And God's word is not merely about communicating things to us. We are told here that his word is about creation. That his word doesn't just tell us who he is, his word creates. His word makes things happen. His word is his will, it is his power. Jesus is the word of God through whom God created the world. That's verse three. God spoke and the world came into existence. Let there be light and there was light. He speaks and his word goes forth with power and effect exactly as he intended it to do. And that word is Jesus, through whom all things are made. The next segment I call Jesus did that, okay? The human body has connected nerves all throughout the body that travel throughout the body and string, stringing them together end to end, the nerves would measure 45 miles long. Jesus did that. I, I read it on Wikipedia, it's true. The earth is, has three trillion trees, enough for 422 trees for every living person on the earth. You have one in your living room probably right now. So you have 421 left to figure out what you want to do with. Jesus did that. This creature is called the, the star-nosed mole. Star-nosed mole is a pretty amazing creature. It has these bare claws of hands that could dig uh, deep into the earth's crust. And on its nose, it has 22 finger-like appendages. And on these appendages consist 100,000 nerve receptors. That is the most sensitive organ in all of creation. And this star-nosed mole is so cool, it is so sensitive to touch that it can smell underwater. It is the only creature who is known to be able to smell underwater. It is so sensitive, in fact, that it can detect seismic activity underneath the Earth's crust, so sensitive that it could predict earthquakes, that no human-made technology can detect that level of sensitivity. Jesus did that. The best estimates, you can leave that, you can get that off now. It's a hideous creature. You, you can tell what I did during my sermon prep this week, right? Most amazing facts, and you know. Uh, the best estimates are there's 300, 400 billion stars just in our galaxy. That's up to 50 stars per person just in our galaxy. Jesus did that. And there's billions and billions and hundreds of billions of galaxies. Apples are 25% air. Jesus did that. Um, bamboo grows 35 inches a day. Jesus did that. Horses can sleep standing up, but they can only dream sleeping down. Jesus did that. And it's impossible to hum while closing your nose. Jesus did that. So listen. Listen, the mechanics of how this happens, we don't know. 
the, the, the mechanics of how things are made through Jesus, we don't know, but we are told that they are. We are told that they are. We are told that, that all that is created is made purposely through the will and purpose of God, specifically through the plan of God and the action of Jesus. Creation took place through the mediation of Jesus and all that there is would not be apart from Jesus's say-so. Apart from the architecture of God the Father and the execution of Jesus the Son, there would be nothing that there is. That includes you, your will, your desires, that includes you and all that there is. Be careful that you and I do not create a version of Jesus that you can comprehend more easily because that Jesus doesn't exist. Could you help her? Be careful that you don't have a vision of nature, of the character, of the majesty of Jesus that is somehow less glorious than infinitely more glorious than the most glorious thing that there is. Be careful you don't define his value by your definition of what's valuable. Be careful when you think about Jesus that you don't determine his right to speak into your life based on your measure of what is true. Jesus is creator of all. He is the center of all. His opinion, his influence matters more than all that there is. The point being made is this. Everything that happens, happens with God's say-so and nothing happens without his say-so. And that being said, there is nothing better that can be said from God to us. Nothing that can be given from God to us than Jesus Everything is wrapped up in that. Everything that God can give, every good is wrapped up in the person and work of Jesus. It is more than we could ever think. It is more glorious and amazing than we could ever comprehend. He is not just a great teacher or one who walked on the earth and did some amazing things. He is everything. He is the center of all things and the creator of all things becomes the giver of all things. This is where Jesus becomes the savior to rescue us, to recreate in us all that God promised. The final reveal is that Jesus is the creator. He is, he is the savior. The savior, the one who has come to, to fix what is broken, to repair what has been cursed, to save and to resurrect what has been dead. You know, all of John's gospel narrative hinges on these first three verses. He is setting us up for what we are about to see in the coming pages. The authority of Christ, the identity of Christ, the, the, uh, the authority that he has to do the things that he does. We're not going to see acts of creation. That work has already been done. We ruin that. What we will see though are acts of recreation and foreshadows of the future. We are going to see the power of God through Jesus Christ. We are going to see how he recreates, how he gives sight to the blind, how he gives healing to the sick, how he raises the, 
the dead to life. All of these things to point to his work of recreation that he will do for those who are spiritually dead. He calls us a new creation for all those who are in Christ. We're going to see recreation. We're going to see Jesus commanding the waves. And we wonder, how does he have the power to do this? Because all things were created through him. We're going to see him feeding the hungry and multiplying bread and fish. We're saying, how could he, how could he do that? It's because he is the one who created all things. He restores the sick and he's not just a, a preacher or a healer. He is a creator walking among his creation. And as he touches the sick and breaks bread and, and feeds the hungry, he's giving us a glimpse of what he has come to do in and for every single one of us. He is the greatest act of love and power, the creator of all things. He now is clothed in creation. Now comprehend that for a moment. The one who created all things, who was before there was a was to be, takes on human flesh. The pre-incarnate Jesus who was before all things, he is born into the world. He puts on our humanity. The creator becomes creation. And he humbles himself all the way to the point of death for us. He gives himself to us so that we would be given eternal life in his name. John is building his case. He's building the story It is not just a man who has done good things for us. He is the only one. He is the one. He is God in flesh who has given himself to us. And John says, this is my purpose in my writing, that in believing in him and trusting in him, that you would have life in his name. It's the greatest act of love that could be done. You know, follow the logic here with me because everything is about Jesus and everything was created in and through Jesus. True life cannot be found apart from Jesus. This is the logic that John is making. He is at the center. He is the creator and he alone is the savior. He is alone that can give us the one that can satisfy our needs, our longing for connection, our desire for community, our hope to be, have guilt and shame removed, the one who can resurrect a dead heart and be given a heart of flesh that knows and loves God, the one who could give us the life that we desire, the one that is good. The point of John's gospel is not for us to simply know the existence of God, but to also know the mission of God. Why has God made himself known to us through the person of Jesus? You realize this, that we would not know anything about God unless he revealed those things to us. If, you, if, if someone came up to me and said, oh, I, I, yeah, I know the pastor of Holy Cross. He's, you know, he's got this long flowing blonde hair. He's just a really wonderful woman and you know, all this stuff. <laughs> he's like, I, I don't I think that's, that's the person. No, that's the person I've been told about and that's the person I've made up in my mind. And you might talk about characteristics and personalities and looks and likes and dislikes and hobbies. The only way that you can truly know me is if I reveal those things to you, if I tell you those things through my word and I tell you the story of who I am. And and God is saying the same thing. You can't know God. You cannot know me unless I reveal those things to me. 
things to you. And why does he reveal himself to us? To save us. So that we would know Jesus and in knowing him, we would believe in him and in believing in him, we would have eternal life. Simply put, John, the writer of all of this is not interested in us just observing God from a distance as creator and admiring Jesus as the one who is special apart from creation. His purpose is not that we would learn about him and say, isn't he, isn't he incredible? Isn't he marvelous? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he amazing? Look at what he did. No one can do what Jesus did. The purpose isn't just an admiration. He, he is trying to persuade his readers of the truth of who Jesus is so that we would trust in him, rest in him and follow him as his disciples so that we would surrender our lives to him and base all of our desires and pleasures and will and purposes all around this person of Jesus so that our life would be defined by our relationship with him. And how amazing is it that the God that is described in the first three verses is the one who pursues us, wants to be with us, know us, have us know him, and the one who gives his life for us. What value is it to you to know of Jesus' amazing credentials if you don't intend to trust him? What value is it to observe his greatness without believing that he can forgive you of the worst sins you've ever committed? What value is it to believe that it was Jesus who created you in the first place if you don't believe that he knows you intimately, cares for you fully, and loves you completely? What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing in your life. And what John longs for his readers to know, and for us to know today, is the one who created you, invites you into a personal relationship with him. He offers you good news. He offers you himself. He will never, you will never find anyone who knows you better anyone who cares for you more, anyone who gives you the life that only he can give. It's all about him. We put our eyes on him today. We put our hearts on him. We celebrate that God did not leave creation in its broken state, but that he comes to us. He sends his son to us. The one who is Emmanuel, God with us. And he invites us to receive him today. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. Visit us at holycrosstucson.com to find more resources and connect with us.